thinking about that. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 39. Today we are going to baptize. And some of you parents are saying, why are all the kids in here today? Well, because Jen and Waller's getting baptized. And when we have children get baptized... We think it's good for the kids to see other kids get baptized. It's probably good just to have them in here anytime we baptize. But uh, we want them to encourage their friends. And so uh, that's why they're all here today. And uh, we'll make it through. We're going to make it. It'll be all right to have them all with us today. I kind of like it. So let's all stand. And we're going to read from Psalms before we read in Luke. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Let's read here in verse 36 through 39. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Understand here that when they say reclined at the table, they had pillows all the way around the table, and the table was only about this tall. And they would just kind of put their head up by the table and just lay there and eat. It sounds wonderful because you just... You shovel it right off the table. But they would, when, they, when they would eat, they would eat for hours. I mean, they might not just continually eat, but they would be talking. And they would lay down, okay? So his feet are sticking out from the table at ground level. And this is when the lady comes in. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet wiping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissing them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Let's pray. Father, today we know that we have all been sinners. Father, we also know that through the blood of Jesus Christ, we don't have to stay there. Father, that your blood is enough to forgive us of all the sins that we have committed and that the power of your Holy Spirit in our life is enough that we don't have to keep on going on in sin, that we can have victory and freedom over sin. And Father, today I pray that as we go through this scripture, that we would remember that it's okay to talk about sin, but we need to talk about the cure as well. And today we're going to celebrate some who have been cured. And we ask that you would just come and have your way in this service. Father, help us to join in in whatever you're doing. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. My favorite part of this scripture, I started... uh, Lance asked me where I was going to be this week, and at the time I hadn't wrote my sermon, but I knew kind of where I wanted to be and where I thought the Lord wanted me to go, and I couldn't remember everything about the verse, but I knew this is where I was supposed to be. And so after I told him where I was going to be, I got to reading it a little bit more, and there's three words that stood out to me in this scripture, 
and it probably won't be what you think it is, but it was in that town, in that town. And in this town that Jesus is talking about, that that, that, uh, Luke is talking about, in this town, there is a woman who is sinning. What kind of a town is that? Somehow or another, Jesus has somehow gotten off the main road somehow or another. And he has, and he, you know, he put all the universe together and you think that he would have some kind of a GPS in his mind and he would know where he was all the time. But somehow Jesus has gotten lost and gotten off the road and wandered aimlessly into a town that had a sinner in it. In this town, there was a sinner and Jesus ran into her. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. In this town, there's, have you ever heard of a town that had a sinner in it? Have you ever heard of a town that didn't have a sinner in it? I just think it's interesting that in this town, there was a sinner. And we've always known that in towns, there's sinners. There's always sinners. We've all been there. We've all been the sinner in the town. But every town has a few people that just stand out as sinners. And you might say, oh, no. There's, well, yeah, there is. There's always, especially like in, in school. I remember when I was a freshman in high school, we were coming in and, and you know, of course, you're the, you're the young guys and, 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 and you're afraid of everybody. And I can remember some guys saying, you better watch out for these guys because they, they were about six years older than us, but they were still in school because they kept failing. But anyway, they were, of course, they were bigger than everybody else. We had a kid that was 16 years old in the eighth grade. I'm just telling you, that's what we had. But anyway, it was, it was neat. He got his driver's license. It was kind of, but anyway. But these kids were older, and they were, and they were known not for their graciousness, but they were known because they would bang your head in, all right? And there's always people in town, and there was also some girls that you knew, and they didn't have good reputations either. And in this town, there is this woman, and she has this reputation. And also, there is a Pharisee in this town, and he has a reputation. He's the pastor. He's the religious guy. And so you have these people in this town, and one has a reputation for sin, and one has a reputation for being against sin. And everybody knows where both of them stand on the subject. One of them is completely fine in being in sin, and one of them is completely fine, and he he hates sin. And so you have this sinner, and then you have this we'll call him a pastor, whose job is to get people to God. And that's his job, and that's what he does. And you have a lady who needs God, and she's a sinner, and they both know each other. Now, they may not know each other personally, but they know of each other. You know how that is. Sometimes there's people you just know of, and they know you, but you may not know them, but they know of you. And so she knows who he is. She knows he's a pastor. And he knows who she is. And she's a prostitute. And he knows who she is. And he knows this thing. And, he, and in verse 39, it says that he knows her sin. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, I know I, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. So he knew that about her. 
And she knew that he didn't like sin. She knows him, and he knows her. And he knows what, she knows what he thinks about her. And she is a sinner. And his job is to get people like her to God. But he hasn't been able to do it. Because he can't get past the fact that she's a sinner. And she needs God, but she doesn't feel like she can get there because of her sin. You ever known anybody, known anybody that thought, there's no way that I'm ever going to be, back, be able to get back to God. I've just done too much. There's no way I can get right. And this is where she is. And the problem is that they're both, the pastor and the sinner, are concentrating on the sin. They're concentrating on the sin. The preacher preaches about sin. He preaches about how bad sin is. He talks about sin. Now, Jesus talked about sin, and you have to talk about sin. We're supposed to talk about sin. But all she heard had convinced her that the sin was so bad that she could never, ever get right again, that there was no way for her to be right again. And the bad thing is there are people who hate sin so much that they hate people who sin too. You hear me here? There are people who hate sin so much that they hate the people that sin too. And it becomes hard for them to separate the two. And here's the deal, folks. Sometimes it is hard to separate the two. You hate the way people act and you hate the things that they do because they're so destructive to your life and they're destructive to your family's life and they're destructive to society. And after a while, you start blaming them instead of the sin in their life. And you get, and both, and, and both of them were upset at the sin. Cindy was reading a story to me off the Facebook about, uh, about some, some, it was a some something. And it was about, how the church, what the church's position, and this is the global church, not the Nazarene church, but what their position was on homosexuality. And whoever it was that wrote this story said, this is what the church feels, this is how the church feels about homosexuality. And it was completely wrong. It was, and it was supposed to be from a Christian magazine. It was a, a supposedly a Christian story. And it goes through and goes, this is how the church feels about homosexuality. And of course, she's reading it to me while I'm going down the road. And I go, that's not what we say. That's not, no, I don't know of a church that felt this way about homosexuality. But that's what is being thrown out there. And if you watch the news, it says, oh, everybody, we all hate and hate and hate. And so I want you to, under, I want you to think, if you were a homosexual person, and you heard these kinds of reports all the time, and you never had anybody else feeding into your life truth, it's no wonder homosexual people have a bad opinion of us. It's no wonder. You shouldn't be mad at them for that. It's perfectly normal, because that's all they've heard. And until somebody gets in their life and shows them the truth, don't be upset at them, because that's all they know. They may be wrong, but that's all they know. And I'm not, don't anybody think, well, pastor thinks that this is okay. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying they've got a wrong opinion of us. And this lady had a wrong opinion because of her sin. And, and so she's in a bad place and he's in a bad place. And I'm sure 
that she had never been to the to the house before and she and she thought she had this wrong opinion of the pharisee now you might be hard on the pharisee and you can and you can be hard on him because he wasn't all right but i kind of think that he probably had a lot of zeal for god's word and he was maybe a little too zealous okay i'll give him that all right and sometimes we because of what we believe we might get a little too zealous and he probably was and he may have been completely wrong okay you can say that and i'd say yeah you're probably right too i still think that you know he's my brother pastor so i think maybe there was some good in him there somewhere or another you know i think maybe he was trying to do right but he went about it the wrong way okay let's just say that but when she so she wasn't going to go to his house There was no sense in going to his house. She knew how he felt about sin. She knew his stand on sin, or at least she thought she knew his stand on sin. She had heard him preach about sin, or she had heard other people say, well, you know, this is what the Pharisee says about sin, so he's got no use for you. So that's what she'd heard. So she was not going to go to the Pharisee's house for help. He wasn't going to help her. He hated her. That's what she thought. And sometimes people think, the church doesn't want me. They hate sin. They hate what I do. I don't want to be around them because they're going to hate me. And that's what they think. I don't think it's right, but that's what they think. And so you need to understand that as you're trying to minister to people who are are lost, kind of be thinking about how are they going to feel when they walk in here? What are the words that I use and the things that I say? How do they think I feel about them? We don't like sin. We hate sin, but we love people. And she doesn't think that if I come to this guy's house, he's going to help me. But notice what does make her come to his house. In verse 37, it says, when she learned Jesus was there, that's when she went. She didn't care about what he said about sin, but there was something about Jesus. When she heard Jesus, she wanted to be there. And the Pharisee and the lady had both been focusing on the problem and they hadn't been focusing on the solution. And the solution was Jesus. Jesus was the solution. And when people really figure out what sin has done in their life, when people really figure out what sin is doing to their life and and what Satan is trying to do in their life and they decide, you know, maybe I ought to do something different. Maybe I ought to, maybe, maybe there ought to be something different in my life. That's when Satan, who has been completely all the time, you know, just keep doing what you're doing, keep doing what you're doing. And then when they get convicted about it, Satan goes, you know, you're, you're right. You really are bad. And those people are never going to help you. And they really don't want you to be part. And you know, you're so bad, there's no way you can ever get back. There's no way you can ever get right. Have you heard what pastor preaches about sin? Pastor preaches that sin is wrong. Do you think pastor's ever going to try to help you get back? Do you think them people in there are ever going to try? You're just too lost. And that's what she had been hearing. And that's what Satan was trying to tell her. But when she heard about Jesus, she said, I'm going to go see what Jesus has to say about it. I want to see what Jesus has to do with it. I want to see what Jesus wants to do. And she was damaged and messed up. And Satan was telling her, you're damaged, you're messed up, you're no good for what Jesus wants to do for you, and you can never be fixed. 
You can never be fixed to where you can be used again. And you know what? Satan is good at telling the half-truth. You can never be fixed because Jesus ain't in the fixing business. Jesus is not a remodeler. Jesus does not flip people. He doesn't come in and say, well, you know, if I tear out a wall here and get rid of a bad habit there, then he's like, no. <laughs> he's into total makeover. And I want to show you a little bit this morning what I think was going on. Jesus says, this is a solid piece of pipe that I stole from my neighbor's house. Now he let me have it. He really did. And Jesus says, this is what you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be a solid piece. You ever needed a solid piece of pipe? I had a piece of pipe that went out uh, in, right in front of my house. My, my water, right, I needed a piece of pipe this long to fix all the water, the whole, all the water going into my house. And, and it had one hole in this piece of pipe. And if I just, and all I needed was a, if this piece of pipe would be exactly what I needed. And, and God says, this is exactly, and God says for you, this is exactly what I need you to do. And I don't need you to be this piece of pipe over here. I need you to be this right here. And you don't need any holes in you and you don't need any sin in you. And I can help you be this. Okay. But sin comes and messes up our piece of pipe. It messes us up and we can sin and do whatever we want to. And it just messes us up. That's a really bad drill. And it messes us up and we have holes in us. And you know what? We become to where we're not much used to the kingdom. And pastor comes on Sunday and, and he preaches and he goes, sin will mess up your life. Sin's going to just mess you all up and you can't be what God wants you to be because there's sin in your life and you're a sinner and sinner and sinner and you hear that and, and I'm just speaking for this pastor. He means well, but sometimes he may not come across exactly right. Here's a, that's the truth. Because so I know that I'm passionate about it because I don't want you to look like this. I want, I've heard what God has for you and I know what God has for you and, and he wants you to look like this. But sometimes in the zeal zeal, zeal and well, in the excitement of preaching, <laughs> sometimes I've probably got people to where they're like, that's me. This is me. And I can't be this. And I don't know how to get to this. And if all we do is talk about sin and we don't talk about Jesus, then you just stay here. Aren't you glad we talk about Jesus? Because sometime in the message we have to say, but I know a guy who can get rid of this make you this I want to tell you a little story and then I'm going to let them tell their story one of the I've had some great days in my ministry specific days I've had some great specific days in my ministry a few, a few weeks ago you're going to meet him in just a minute. Ross and Ariel walked into my office and they said, can we meet with you, pastor, after church? And I said, yeah. You know, I had no idea what they wanted to talk to me about. And I felt like a Catholic priest because they came in, they came in and they said, uh, this is our life. 
And they started telling me all the things that was making them not what God wanted them to be. And they knew what God wanted them to be. But they started telling me the stories of things and how they'd gotten there and they didn't want to be there. They didn't want that. And they knew they weren't supposed to be there. But they didn't know how to get back. And they got done, and I was listening to their story and all, and I listened to it, and I said, that's, that's good. That's, I appreciate you telling me these things. I said, you know, Jesus is in the redemption business. That's kind of what we do. And you can be this. Where are you guys at? I remember that day. It was just like a weight lifted off of you, wasn't it? They came in like this. Now, we had to change some things and do some things different, and there were some things that had to be done. But man, I was so glad I could say, hey, I got the, I got the cure. I know the cure. We don't have to, we're not going to have to, we're not going to plug holes and try to fix this. This is shot. This ain't no good for anything. But I know someone who makes things brand new again. And God did that. And now they can be exactly what they're supposed to be. And I don't know where you are this morning or what's going on in your life. But you know if you've got sin in your life. And this lady understood sin. She understood it well. But when she heard Jesus was there, everything changed. And this morning, I just want to tell you, there is such a thing as sin. But there is someone who changes everything. And he doesn't fix us, but he makes us brand new. And this poor Pharisee, all he could see was this lady crying at Jesus' feet and he was, he was saying, Jesus, there's a sinner at your feet instead of saying, Jesus, there's a sinner at your feet. You see, sometimes that's the way we are. Oh, there's a sinner coming to church and we should be, oh man, there's a sinner coming to church. Woo-hoo. They're going to find out who the cure is. They're going to find out who can make them all new again. And, and we've got to be careful, church, sometimes. And, hey, and this is to me. Man, this is, this is to me. I'm, the, I'm pretty zealous. I hate sin. But I know the one who can cure it. Makes it all new and perfect and can be used again. And God did not patch up. Ariel and Ross. He made them new. And this morning when we go into baptism, it's we'll come in and we'll lay down in the water and that means I've died to myself and the old self's gone and I'm raised up new in Jesus Christ. Everybody has to do that. Little Jenna came to the Lord one day. She probably didn't have very many holes in her pipe. She ain't been old enough to do a whole lot wrong. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful that God can save us even if we haven't had a whole lot go wrong? And Jenna came to the Lord and said, Oh, I've, even in this short time I've been alive, I realize I've 
messed up some stuff and God comes and makes us new and we celebrate that with Bo and Brenda this morning I'm so proud of this family Kevin and Gloria all your kids follow the Lord every one of them one of them left and went to Lebanon and we're still praying about that but I was I was over here singing this morning and looked over and seen Larry and Larry's looking at me he went man what a what a wonderful day this is what we're celebrating today we're celebrating the old is gone and the new has come I'd like for Ross and Ariel to come and Jenna to come and then we'll baptize you one by one I want you to just stand right here wait just a second I want you all to sit back down sit right back down the Lord just checked me maybe you're here this morning Lord just check me maybe you're here this morning and you'd say pastor that's me this is me and I hate what I've done in my life I hate the sin in my life and I feel like I can't get back but this morning I feel like maybe I could that's Jesus' thing that's kind of his thing he makes you new I want us to stand this morning. Lance, come. We're going to sing just a short time of, if you need to come to the altar this morning, it sure would be a neat day on the day that we baptized Ariel and Ross and Jenna that you got saved. That would be a great story to tell. Jenna could tell that the rest of her life. The day I got baptized and people got saved and lived the rest of their life for the Lord. Anybody here this morning, if you're just really honest, we've all had to say this at some time or another. We've all had to say, I have messed up what you have given me. I have ruined it. It is no good for anything, and I don't know how to fix it. I can't fix it. I've tried to fix it. I've tried to do better. I can't fix it. I can't make it right. Jesus, is there anything you could do with this? He goes, yeah, chuck that thing. Here you go. You're new and you're different and follow me. That's what he wants to do in your life this morning. If you need to come and pray this morning, come right now as we sing. The altars are open.